truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to The Blaze TV and Radio. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number if you'd like to join us today. 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email the program. Like us on Facebook and find us there. And follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And for those of you listening to the audio, whether it's live on The Blaze or the podcast later on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, etc. The last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. We've got a packed show today. We've got a truth bomb coming up later in this hour, which is going to take some time to unpack. Fake news or not, our weekly segment makes its 2019 debut, as does Pop Culture Tuesday. I'm going to lay out my final list of my favorite films of 2018, my top 10, and we're going to look at the worldview behind each of these films as well. So that and more coming up a little bit later on, but we begin, as we always do, with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by The Wall. The debate over a wall on the southern border is reaching fevered pitches and Trump will deliver an address tonight to the nation on that issue as well as the ongoing government shutdown. Media networks have been openly debating whether or not they'll actually cover the address tonight. Listen, I'm not saying that we shouldn't do it, but do you think it should be, I don't know, a delay of some sort? And then you can, because people believe it. People, the president will say what he has to say. People will believe it, whether the facts are true or not. I guess that's a chance you take with any president. But this this one is different. And then by the time the rebuttals come on, we've already promoted propaganda, possibly, unless he gets up there and he tells the truth. He has his right to make the argument to the American people. And by the way, wanting barriers along the border is not propaganda. No, no, no. It's not immoral. The facts, it's not wrong. The facts of- Meanwhile, the RNC released a powerful new ad in support of the wall. Charges have been filed in a violent crash that killed a 42-year-old mother in North Hills. Now the suspect in the case, an undocumented immigrant with a lengthy criminal past. A heartbroken father over the sudden loss of his daughter, 42-year-old mother of two, Sandra Duran, was killed as she drove to her family's home in Arlita. It hurts when somebody out of nowhere just takes your daughter's life and then you see the record he had. Oh my God, no! No, what? I didn't do that! Suffolk County police found Nisa Mickens on this tree line street last september murdered on the eve of her 16th birthday my daughter is the best thing that ever happened to me most of the suspects arrested in these recent cases were in the country illegally police corporal roneal singh was shot and killed during a traffic stop just hours after christmas investigators say the suspect was in this country illegally and it seems like democratic messaging on the wall has followed in the footsteps of nancy pelosi and that it's is an immorality it's not who we are as a nation And this is not a wall between Mexico and the United States that the president is creating here. It's a wall between reality and his constituents. Building the wall is like the building Confederate statues in the 1890s and 1950s. It would be a monument to an ideology. It has nothing to do with border security. And the same congressman who joked about nuking American citizens tweeted out, Mr. Gorbachev, put up a wall said no president. 
Also, U.S. Customs and Border Protection encountered just six immigrants on the U.S.-Mexico border in the first half of the fiscal year 2018, whose names were on a federal government list of known or suspected terrorists. Encountered just six names were on a federal government list of known or suspected terrorists? Just six? Moving on, newly sworn-in Representative Rashida Tlaib said this. And when your son looks at you and says, Mama, look, you won, bullies don't win. And I said, baby, they don't, because we're going to go in there and we're going to impeach the motherfucker. If it were possible, would you subtract one day off your life and add it to Ruth Bader Ginsburg's life for one extra day of good health? If just 10,000 people did this, it would add 27 productive years to her life. That's Politico's former chief political columnist. Homophobe Mike Pence had to swear in Kirsten Cinema, the first out bisexual senator in history, on a law book and not a Bible. He seems uncomfortable and she's having fun with it. This is everything. Homophobe Mike Pence. Homophobe Mike Pence. Homophobe Mike Pence. Look at that homophobe. Homophobe Mike Pence. This is everything. The American Psychological Association said APA has issued its first ever guidelines for practice with men and boys. They draw on more than 40 years of research showing that traditional masculinity is psychologically harmful and that socializing boys to suppress their emotions causes damage. In some good news, Egyptian President el-Sisi helped open the largest Middle Eastern cathedral earlier this week on the eve of Coptic Christmas. And finally... No. What we're watching is a group of grown bleep men with their baby children in a room together dancing in a synchronized fashion. It's all sorts of no, and I would bet good money that each and every one of those men in that room, at some point during their wives' pregnancy, said, We're pregnant. And that's what happened while we were away in two minutes or less. All right, so the wall stuff, we're going to get to that. Um, Next segment, because uh, some of it's going to show up in our in uh, in the truth bomb as well. And I think the way Aaron laid all of that out requires a comprehensive conversation. One thing I do want to say about it now. When did Chris Cuomo? When, when did Chris Cuomo become the voice of reason? The look on his face. Teacher, and, Todd has a question. The look on his face. When Don Lemon, and by the way, this was not an, I, we, let's not do to them what they tried to do to us last week, where one anonymous QAnon account lost their minds that I still believe, I, in fact, no, I need to believe is really the truth. I need to believe was a double agent uh, of the Ocasio-Cortez political machine, uh, pretending to be conservative, because I just don't want to believe anybody wearing my uniform is this dumb. Uh, uh, and it was just this one account and then the New York Times and like nine liberal media outlets talked about how conservatives were conservatives pounce. Were, yes, were incensed when most conservatives I saw were incensed that that account thought that that was a legitimate attack. That's what I saw. So let's not do this to them. I want you to know if typically, unless we want to laugh, we do not. We don't look at Don Lemon as a serious source of information on this show. All right. This was this. There were several news stories about this that I saw in my Twitter feed yesterday from various outlets debating whether the the media ought to uh, give coverage 
to a presidential address. Yep. No. I mean, absolutely not. And I and I can promise you, I don't and I don't care what sacred cow on the right it was. If this was ever if this would ever be suggested in the future about a duly elected Democratic president, my answer will still be a resounding no. We're we're not having conversations about whether we give the American people a chance to communicate directly with the person they, via their own majority, elected to be their duly elected president of the United States. Uh, By the way, as an unrelated story, why don't they take us seriously? Todd, your thoughts. This You're right. I'm glad you're bringing this up. This goes way beyond uh insufferable and you'd be wrong if if you are uh thinking that this is just oh this is just the press being the press yeah but that's why you you need to wake up and realize if, if they are so brazen and so arrogant that they bring this up as a reasonable notion what do you think they're doing to the narrative on a daily basis? That's the irony of Donald. Uh, Donald what are they saying in their meetings before yes. they go out on the air? Yeah. Now, Chris Cuomo, the look on his face when Lemon says this is incredibly telling. Like, there, and, I'm, and I and I don't, I've never met Chris, so I don't know. I don't, but I don't know if the look is like uh, we're not supposed to actually say this stuff out loud that we talk about in private or. My goodness, even by my own standards, this guy is an insufferable hack. Maybe it's and maybe it's a little no. bit of both. I don't know. There's another possibility that Aaron and I discussed that we want to uh, entertain you with sure. before the show. You know, we talk about our side all the time, and there's guys even that we know we won't name them right now. Maybe you'll name them later, or we will. But we clearly agree with ninety percent of the time. But they have just gone so far off the rails that that week i think these two guys just hate each other for you, do reasons you, we don't you, understand so they you're just, telling me chris cuomo gave the same look to don lemon that i give to anybody who tweets a gateway pundit link to me is that what you're telling me something and it Similar. doesn't yeah it doesn't even have to be gateway pundit it can be somebody more serious yes okay I, that, that's i a, think he I might think, just hate him i think that's plausible I, I think that that's a guy who may think you know i i can do intelligent bias I, I, we don't. I, we don't need to be as 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 vomitously banal as Mr. As, as the appropriately right. named lemonade. Because this is the second time he's done this. He did yes. it a week, what, two weeks ago with the yes. handshake thing. But but and, and you know what? I'm inclined to think you might be right because he takes the next step of unprovoked saying it's not propaganda to yeah, desire a secure border. Yeah, right. Completely contradicting okay. the rest of his network, basically. This, in, in many respects, I wonder if if what happened to Cuomo here is what has happened to me so many times when I have been perfectly willing to criticize Trump for violating what I believe, but then I'm I'm put opposite someone whose yes. perspective of criticism is so yes. ridiculous. Yes. Or as my kids used to say when they were little, redonkulous. Yes. When they couldn't figure out a way to make ridiculous wasn't wasn't a strong enough word to communicate to their father, so they made up the word redonkulous to show how over the top that this should yes. not even be entertained within human existence yes. in their mind. That your Cuomo is like incensed that you're putting him in the position of defending a bunch of what he already believes are a bunch of white racists because you're so over the top. He just, his, the, 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 the cognitive side of his brain cannot, uh, the dude cannot abide. Is that what I hear Cuomo you say? Cuomo is the guy writing the serious white papers <laughs> and the whisper campaigns. And we're doing this takeover. We're definitely doing it. And then Don Lemon, you know, has the, the, um, 
uh, the drag he, parade. In the middle, just, everything's just, fabulous. In the middle, he just jumps out and screams, "Cherry bomb!" <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. No, it's just he was. I, I think. I think. I, I think. Um, I think Cuomo was affected there momentarily by that uh, thing that the APA was uh, warning us yes. about, which is uh, traditional masculinity. <laughs> he nice. Was, uh, momentarily affected by that. Nice. So I want to go to the LCC thing. So last week we we talked about Mattis and we came back in his departure. And I said something that I, I I didn't get any feedback on this, and I'm surprised because I've got to believe there's at least somebody out there that thought that's way over the top days. And I said, I don't know anything about generaling. I don't know anything about running a military. I don't know anything about outfitting a military. I promise you, though, I know more about Islam than General Mattis does because he is blinded by his own bias and he is blinded by his own philosophy. That General Mattis is a great general. And we have said this all along since he was appointed. What have we always said? Man is a great patriot and he's also a progressive. Have we not said that yes. repeatedly? We've, we have said that repeatedly. Yep. He is a great patriot. He is also a progressive. And in the end, in the end, you can't, no man, if you're new to our show here since we've done the big, uh, the big merger, you've maybe never heard me say this before. No man can rise above his own worldview. No man can. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. As a man thinketh, so is he. No man can rise above his own worldview. And so what happens is, if you fail to recognize the philosophy you're up against, all the tactical, all the tactical um, knowledge advantage you have over someone who does is erased. It's erased. Do, let me make it simpler. Todd, who do you think knows more about coordinating a college football defense, me or Nick Saban? Nick Saban. Uh, yeah, yeah. And thank you for no hesitation with that answer, okay? Uh, Nick Saban times 10,000, right? right? About the middle of the second quarter last night, didn't it become pretty obvious they can't cover these guys man-to-man, right? You can yeah. see it. if you Any of us that know any modicum of football that watch... Now, we don't know how to disguise coverages and we don't know that we don't know how to do that but we do know you can't cover these guys so stop trying to cover them man to man did they stop trying to cover them man to man nope Uh, no they came right out in halftime came out right in the halftime at a halftime did the same thing and what happens is they try covering a guy man to man the Alabama guy slips the guy's wide open 70 yard touchdown pass and that was really the defining score of the game all right in other words, a, ph- a philosophical decision was made that didn't line up with the reality of the circumstance, of the world they were inhabiting at the time. And if you're wrong philosophically, it doesn't matter how much other innate expertise you bring to the situation, to the circumstance, because the premise you're beginning from is wrong. And so it doesn't matter that Nick Saban has forgotten more defensive terminology and jargon than anybody listening or watching right now has ever can possibly remember in our collective conscience. They accepted a false philosophical premise. We're just going to play these guys man to man like we did all the other receivers. Well, all the other receivers you play in the SEC, there's a bunch of those guys that are going to the NFL too. You know what though? They didn't have NFL quarterbacks throwing the football to them down the field. Know what I'm saying? So it's, it, it, it's a lot easier to cover NFL receivers man-to-man when the guy behind them, you know, this is not, the SEC's not been a great quarterback league for a long time. It's been more of a defensive league. 
Well, the kid that played last night is going to be a future number one overall pick in the NFL draft. So that, ain't, that dog ain't going to hunt. You ain't, this isn't LSU where they've been trying to find a quarterback for 10 years, and this has worked for Alabama. Steve, what is, how does this relate to this situation? Pretty much every, completely. Completely relates. Because it doesn't matter how much more General Mattis knows, how much more of the Pentagon jargon and playbook he knows than me. It doesn't matter what his scores at West Point were compared to mine. I couldn't even get in. He will stymie himself if he begins from the wrong philosophical premise. And everything he attempts to then, therefore, tactically deploy from there will fail. It will not, it cannot work. Because philosophically, you have failed to understand or willfully have chosen, which, you know, progressives love their magical thinking. They, they love to see the world for as they prefer it to be and desire it to become rather than for what it actually is. And so all the jargon and all the other stuff and the expertise and everything else you know, you have, you've played yourself. You've, you've, you've blocked yourself out. I bring this all up in the context of the LCC conversation because Mattis is an Obama general. Kelly was an Obama general. Another great patriot. I thought he was a pretty good White House chief of staff too, by the way. I don't think it's good for the country that he left. Because I do think this president, for lack of a better description, needs some form of a babysitter. And I darn well, actually, I darn well know Javanka needs one. There needs to be some, for the, for, if you're a conservative, you want some buffer between Javanka and Trump in there. And Kelly played that role. And Javanka didn't like that, and that's why they got rid of him. But the position Kelly was in was not so much a philosophical position, but more of an expertise one. He was making the trains run on time, not making ideological decisions. Mattis, as the head of the Pentagon, was making ideological decisions. And one of the decisions that came out of the Obama era was to promote something called the Arab Spring. Do you know what it is? I'll tell you. It's a nice colloquialism for the Muslim Brotherhood. It's similar to when you ask a lawyer, even a conservative lawyer, what stare decisis is, and they will give you the acceptable definition. But then once we get it actually into the courts and play it out, that may be what their law books say. But what it really means is, Whatever a judge damn well wants to be the law, he just can make it so without any basis reasoning whatsoever, and there's not a thing you can do about it. That's what it really means. What it means is uh, whenever the judges speak, so say we all, period. No matter how crazed, no matter how idiotic, immoral, depraved it is, whatever they toss out from the bowels of their mind, from their given over depraved minds, we must now all accept as the law. That's what it really means. Now, there's a definition for what the Arab Spring is. And I'm sure this, all the Pentagon, State Department handbooks and the bureaucrats, they, they, that's not, they, would, they would push back on my contention that what it really means is the Muslim Brotherhood. They can say that. Maybe they even believe it. But by their fruit, you will know them. What it really means is the Muslim Brotherhood. And so the previous administration that Mattis helped to serve in opposed the emergence of LCC as the leader of Egypt. And they sided with the Muslim Brotherhood, I'm sorry, the Arab Spring that overthrew Mubarak, 
who ha- who was a, who is a loyal ally of the United States for most of you and I's lifetimes, actually, Todd. They actually sided with the Arab Spring Muslim Brotherhood in, in the overthrow of Mubarak. And then the Obama administration and his Pentagon and his State Department, including generals like Mattis, they believed in the foreign policy of promoting the Arab Spring slash Muslim Brotherhood that didn't want LCC to come to power. This is an example of what I meant when I said this last week. I, I wasn't, you know, I, I'm kind of sensitive to because we played that montage yesterday of Trump claiming nobody knows more about this than me. There are people that know plenty more philosophy than I do. I'm not saying I know more philosophy than everyone. I'm saying I know more about it than John Mattis, particularly. Probably most of the people in the State Department. And most of the people at the Pentagon, for that matter. And if, by the way, if you have a biblical worldview, or maybe any semblance of common sense, like you've just paid attention to the, uh, you know, how the world stage has evolved in the last decade, particularly post 9-11, you do too. Because you're not wish-casting. You're not Todd's buddy, Marie Harf, believing this all goes away with a jobs program. You're not John McCain looking for the, those freedom fighters that just don't exist. In Syria, Assad believes his forces are the freedom fighters and uh, ISIS believes their forces are the freedom fighters and Al-Qaeda believes their forces are the free. They're all freedom fighters. They just have a dramatically different definition of freedom than you do, Princess Bride. And then when something close to the real definition, the courage shows up, then we kind of say, yeah, well, that's... Yes. Yeah. Exactly right. I mean, right now you've got John Bolton. I, I agree with a lot, but not all the time. John Bolton is demanding we stand up for the Kurds by staying in Syria. Now, I have been a longtime advocate of standing up for the Kurds. Why? Not because I agree with what the Kurds believe in, because they've shown they're willing to agree with me despite our disagreements. They have been our ally on essentially every uh, confrontation in that part of the world for the last 20 years. But we're going to suddenly pick Syria, which which is a blank hole, to use the president's term, and has been... My whole life, basically. We're going to use Syria to be the place where we're going to defend the Kurds. And we're not going to do that in northern Iraq. We, we left them there. We abandoned them there to Iran because we didn't want to upset uh, Turkey. Yeah, I don't, I don't, again, I don't buy. You, you can give me your, Mr. Bolton can give me his nice, acceptable terms of why we're going to belay Trump's withdrawal from Syria. Because we can't abandon the Kurds except we actually abandoned them where we needed to stand up with them the most. So, I'm, excuse me, I, I'm not getting played again. And, and it's the year of no BS. I don't buy it. I don't buy that crap from Mr. Bolton any more than I buy it from John Mattis. If this was really about standing with the Kurds, which I'm totally for, why did we abandon them then in Iraq? Twice. Think the Kurds believe there's a more stable situation? If we ask the Kurdish people, is there more potential for you to develop a stable haven in northern Iraq or in Syria? What do you think their answer might be, guys? Mm, Iraq. Probably Iraq. Yeah. No, this ain't about the Kurds. That's a crock. And if it is about the Kurds, if I were the Kurds, it'd be like, thanks, but no thanks. That's a little bit like the life insurance guy checking in after the death in the family's already happened. Hey, do you guys, you guys want to buy a policy? Well, wait now. Horses left the barn, pal. Don't fall for any of this crap. This is a civilian-led military. This constitution begins with we the people. 
Do not immediately assume because folks have fancy uniforms and badges. They're experts and you're not. They may have an expertise you don't. But if philosophically they start with all of the wrong premises about the human condition and why the world is the way that it is, all that expertise won't matter at all. Instead, they'll just do a better job of making the planet worse. That's all. It'll look cleaner, neater, sound smarter, but it's the same steaming pile. El Sisi's been a great friend of the United States. And the foreign policy apparatus that the, that President Trump inherited and largely kept in place. He kept Kelly and Mattis and all these people around. Rex Kern was another one or whatever that guy's name was. What was his name? Rex Tiller, right, was the Secretary of State. Rex Tiller, Tillerson. Ohio State quarterback. Rex Tillerson, thank you. These guys that the, this, the guys he brought in and he left from the previous era all buy into this jargon. That's, that's just pretty much been proven wrong at every turn. The president's foreign policy ought to be what he gave as that speech in Riyadh a year and a half ago. It's very simple. If you're on our side, we're on yours. If you're not, we're not. If you want us to leave, leave you alone and not be on any side, we'll leave you alone unless you bother us. And then you're gonna, um, we're going to make you hate the ground that you walk on. El Sisi is a perfect example of that. He's a Muslim general, and he sees that it's within his country's self-interest to offer, to make some advancements, albeit token, but to make some advancements on religious freedom, where we have been now for 18 years in Afghanistan. It'll be 18 years in October, and there's not a single Christian church open for business in the entire country. And there actually was under the Taliban rule. Think about that. How's that realpolitik for you? Yes. And why? Because General Mattis is a great general. And most of the people at the Pentagon are. And the reason they keep sticking with what the world has proven doesn't work is the same reason why Jim Harbaugh keeps running seven-step play-action passes in the third quarter when we're down by three touchdowns. Because Jim Harbaugh wants football to work the way he loves it working. It's time to pass the conch, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and and, the, and it's, that's the progressive mindset. Square peg must meet round hole. The world, human beings cannot be basically sinful. They must be basically good. All worldviews have given a chance. All religions and worldviews have to be morally equivalent. There can't be some religions and worldviews superior to others. The world can't work that way because that would lend itself to transcendence, to absolutism, to to, to an accountability mechanism above our own carnal desires and enlightenings, which is only contrary to everything progressivism is and attempts to do. So I, I, if you, if you put me down there you put me on a barracks and said, Hey man, uh, get this unit into shape. I'm like, I, I, like a, you mean like an octagon hexagon? What shape are we? I don't, I wouldn't know a thing. Do I look like, Hey, I had, I, you don't know how hard I had to work to look, to have this body type. All right. Does it look like I'm an expert on getting into shape? I'm I'm ecstatic that I downgraded from morbidly obese to spare tire. All right, I don't know anything about that. 
But I do know human beings are basically sinful. I do know no society dominated by Islam has produced freedom and individual autonomy in the entire history of Islam. I know that. Right away, that makes me a better philosopher than John Mattis. And if you know that, you're a better philosopher than he does too, or he was too. And most of the people in charge of your foreign policy are. Because they didn't want LCC in charge. They wanted the other guys. Why? Because, well, intersectionality, identity politics, and, you know, if, if someone who's really devoted to their belief system and worldviews in charge, no, it's, that's total crock. <laughs> it's, a, it's a total crock. Here's how the world works. You either do the right thing because you've had a heart change, and so therefore you do it for the right reasons, or you do the right thing because you're afraid of the authority that um, has power over you. There are no other reasons why you do the right thing. They don't believe that at the State Department. They don't believe at the Pentagon. And that's why your foreign policy has been stuck in neutral for the last 18 years. All right, back here on The Blaze, radio and TV. Steve Dacer along with Todd Erzin and uh, Aaron McIntyre. You know, I mentioned this uh, in the second hour yesterday. So if you only caught the first hour, you missed this. But uh, I got one of those scary calls. You Well, not the one where your kids call you and say, all right, the first thing to know is everybody's okay. Right? That's, that was last month, wasn't it? <laughs> what's that? That was last month with you. You actually got that call too. Yeah, but this, this is the other one call you don't want to get. Um it's when your wife says, hey, did, did you spend uh, $200 at a sporting goods store that it doesn't actually uh, reside in our city that I don't know about? No. Why? And she said, well, the first charge on, on our account was for a postage stamp, so a couple bucks. And then an, an hour later, suddenly 200 some odd bucks at stadium sports or something. So we instantly call the bank, realized, you know, we're wondering if it's been outright, you know, identity theft, even though we supposedly pay for that not to happen to us. And it turns out we tra- it was her debit card and the only charges other than, um, you know, she pays our bills to like mid-American energy, right? The only charges on her card that frequently don't appear on mine as well is she had a couple of stays in the last six months at a Marriott-owned hotel property. And, you know, we were talking right before Christmas, that big data breach of the Marriott Corporation, 500 million identities stolen uh, through uh, a breach at Marriott. That includes your credit card or debit card information, like what happened to us, your personal information. And here's why the personal information is key. Because that's often the stuff that is used to verify your identity when you do go into secure servers. Like, for example, the most valuable asset most Americans have is our home, if you own it, particularly the equity in your home. And already we've been telling you that that equity is the new fad 
uh, in you know the online the cyber criminal world is is thieving people's home titles because you can forge a signature. A lot of these are now online. They're not at halls of records and county recorder's offices anymore. Well, now that they have an extra layer of your personal information available to, uh, to claim to verify they are you, that's even more vulnerable now. And that's why you want to get a hold of Home Title Lock. Protect your most valuable asset, especially when Home Title Lock can do it for just pennies a day. And right now, if you want to find out if your home title has already been uh, targeted or compromised, they're giving a free title lock and scan report to our viewers and listeners here on The Blaze today. Normally $100 cost. It's yours for free if you visit HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, let's get to today's truth bomb, a totally contrived, on my part, uh, segment that I created in order to give myself an excuse to promote my upcoming book, which releases a week from today. Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies, Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise, endorsed by some names you might have heard of, a guy named Ben Shapiro, a guy named Glenn Beck, a guy named Mark Levin, Dan Bongino. You can pre-order it now at Amazon.com. Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies, Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. And I want to go back to what Aaron mentioned in his montage with the update on the battle over Trump's wall. Watch this clip. A story that just dropped in the last minute or so. Uh, Julia reporting for NBC News that only six immigrants in terrorism database stopped by CBP at southern border in the first half of 2018. This is, again, obliterating the propaganda that Sarah Sanders attempted to use. So... One third, <laughs> one third of the people it took to pull off the worst attack on this nation since Pearl Harbor, 9-11. It was a 19, I believe, wasn't it? 19 Saudis? It was it 18 Saudis and one from another country, but it was 19 total people, correct? Yeah. 19 people is who pulled off the worst attack on our native soil since Pearl Harbor. And here we have Nicole Wallace and, MS, and, and one of my business partners served with her in the Bush White House. And he, was t- he was telling me about a year ago, watching what's become of her, and he's like, I don't know what happened to her. I'm like, I'll tell you what happened to her. She's like, a lot of these Bushies, they've never agreed with us. They've always agreed with them more than us. I'm not, he was actually surprised. I'm like, I'm not. These are the kinds of people I've been, I was, I, that's why I gave up on the Republican Party. Because they, they're, <laughs> this is who says run the show here into perpetuity, and I don't see it any time changing. But here we have a woman who served in the administration that was in charge of recovering and then defending this country post 9-11. Saying, hey, we... In the first, what was it, the first half or month or what, how many, what was the time period, Aaron? First half of fiscal year 2018. All right, so the first half of fiscal year 2018, we, we caught. Those are just the people we caught, by the way. These are just the ones we caught. We caught one-third of the, of, of, of the amount of terrorists that it took to pull off 9-11. And a woman who served in the administration that was in charge of digging this country out of 9-11 and defending it post-9-11 is like, ah, no big deal. Hack much? Here's the thing, though. When you do the sort of shoddy messaging this White House did over the weekend, yep. 
you open yourself up to this. And I'm not into victimology. Plenty of people that do what I do for a living are going to use a clip like that and they're going to they're going to they're going to feed your ego. They're going to rub your bellies and go on and on about media bias. And it's all true by the way. Everything they're going to say about it is true. But it, but we're getting to the point with media bias that it's like I live in Arizona and I'm complaining about how hot it is. Why'd you move there? To paraphrase the late great Sam Kinison, move where the cool air is. Why if if Arizona is hot for you, why are you there? Why, why, why did you choose to live there? Are you an internment camp outside of Phoenix? Why the hell did you move to Arizona and then complain it's hotter than hell? You did you didn't know this in advance. Media bias is a problem and a thing, but we it's a crutch too. Until last November, we had more Republicans in power in America nationwide than we had had since before the Great Depression. Did media bias just start like in 2018, around March 2018? I'm certain, no. Uh, it's not, that's, so it's not a new thing? Been around a while? Yeah. Yeah, how, boy, and, and we, we like to pull out all the examples. If Obama was still in power, this is what, that's all true too, right? Yeah. Well, when Obama was in power, Democrats lost about 1,064 1,064 elections nationwide. Media bias didn't help win those 1,064 elections, did it? Nope. So if you're looking to be told you're a victim and there's nothing you can do, this is the wrong show for you. I have no tolerance for it. Everybody knows what a hack Nicole Wallace is. Everybody knows how biased MSNBC is. I mean, you know that's a really bad neighborhood. So why are you walking alone in it at night? Why why are you doing that? You know sharks smell blood. So why did you cover yourself in it before you went swimming deep in the ocean? Why would you do that? Oh, I live in a floodplain. Government cover me. Why do you live in a floodplain? Move from the floodplain. Move. Move from the floodplain. Move away. I don't like tornadoes. Why do you live in Oklahoma? Move from Tornado Alley. Enough of this. That ad that you ran in your montage, Aaron, was insanely good. That was the RNC's ad you said? That is correct. That's the messaging you're looking for. Why do we have to be out here like P.T. Barnes? Oh, there's uh, 9,412, 9, Chris. Uh, and uh, you know, you know, again, don't try to be Trump, man. He can just lie and obfuscate and make stuff up. And most people don't care because they've just assumed he's a carny and a con man. And you're never going to be as shameless as he is. You're just not. So don't. Mick Mulvaney, don't go out there with Chuck Todd and talk about, oh, I mean, should we have, uh, you know, what should be the straw to brick ratio? And is it, uh, is it a fence? Uh, is it a barrier? Uh, you know, is it metaphysical? Uh, you know, um, um, is it a thing? Uh, is it a person, place, or thing? Is it 20 questions? It's civilization, man. 
What are you doing? What was that we were watching yesterday? This is the competitive environment you're in. You cannot change it. MS, NBC and CNN are not going away. NBC's not going away. ABC's not going away. They're not going away. I'm sure one day, when we're the generation Reagan warned us about, the generation that one day will have to wake up and explain to their children what it was once like in America when people were free, I'm sure we'll sit down one day and we'll say, Timmy, hot damn, man, I just... As you get ready to take that chip right in your uh, right in right in your forehead, you know, and uh, and 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 go to the uh, indoctrination center uh, to learn how to worship the state. I just want you to know, you know, we we did our we 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 didn't want this to happen to you, future generations. But I mean, <sighs> have you ever jumped on the online archives and watched those Nicole D. Wallace shows on MSNBC? Man, she was freaking brutal. And there was just nothing we could do. She had electrolytes. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure they'll be like. I mean, gosh, guys, we 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 couldn't overcome the narrative. Anderson Cooper was broadcasting at 875 thousand people every night, and I mean, just <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna do? You know, kids. So, das Vindanya, friends. Live long and prosper. We couldn't beat the media. Todd, tonight I want you to go home, sit down with your four daughters. And just let them know right now that they're going to be giving birth to your grandchildren one day in Nicole D. Wallace's America, in Joy Williams' America, in Don Lemon's America, because we couldn't, we, we couldn't possibly find a way to intellectually outwit and outlast these people. And they were just too intimidating. And CNN's lowest primetime ratings ever just created, I mean, that was a platform we simply could not overcome. And you just want to let them know now so they can prepare now to essentially be a generation in freedom's captivity because we we couldn't possibly figure out how to outmaneuver Jeffrey Zuckerberg. Can you do that for me tonight when you get home? How about I show them the first half hour of this show instead where we actually painted what clowns they can be and with that they're easily defeatable in like five minutes instead of tripping our own phallus over all the time. Can I do that instead? Will you give me that? Well, I mean, you could, that would be, uh, that would be going on offense. That would be taking responsibility for your situation. That would be attempting to be a good steward of the talents, gifts, opportunities, moments, um, and time the Lord has given you. Uh, to to so that when the master returns to settle accounts, to actually show him that you capitalized on that which uh, that he uh, that he gave you to invest. I mean, but I I mean I think really if we want more clicks, what we really just do is just go over here in the corner, bury it in the ground, and just say we can't beat the media. We just can't do it. The media is just it's too powerful. It's so powerful. The Democrats lost 1,064 elections from 2009 to 2017. It's insurmountable, really. And man, this, I don't know how we would ever overcome this. Here's my truth bomb. Well, other than the 17 I just dropped. Here's the next one. 
I think our odds of defeating the all-powerful media would increase if we weren't dumb. Mind blown. (laughs) Aaron. I don't, I don't know how much they would decrease. I don't know. You know? That's a big if, man. <laughs> Maybe un poquito, which is, you know, the language that Nancy Pelosi wants you to have to learn to speak here soon. Um, maybe it wouldn't be much. But I got to believe we would improve our odds a smidge. Somewhat. You guys always want me to accept incrementalism. I've been, I mean, that's my, that's one of the number one complaints I've been given. Be more pragmatic. Accept more incrementalism. I've got to believe we would make some incremental progress in our current cultural plight if we would be less dumb for real. I don't know how much, but I think it could. I'm going to, let's take a chance that it can't make it worse. Did you know Alexandria Ocasio Cortez's no! first name? And you're fired. Was Sandy? And you're in fired. College? And you're fired. She went by Sandy, guys. Can you believe that? Barry Satoro called and said you're fired. Okay. One of my favorite quotes is Cicero, the enemy in the gate. The biggest problem we have is our own side here. I don't think we're serious about it. And it's funny, the people that scream the most, Civil War days, are the ones that tend to share the crap like you just jumped, that you just interjected, Aaron. Mm. They're the ones that get the most passionate about this minutia. And then they can't like be bothered with the stuff that actually matters. But the messaging today is, this is the fight now we want to have. We want this to be a moral debate. We do not want this to be a debate about uh, should we do an isosceles triangle at the border or no, no. What's barrier mean? What's wall mean? What's fence? No. This, we want this to be a moral debate. If it's a moral debate and we stay on target in the Death Star Trench there, then I think... I, I think we're going to hit the target. We're going to hit the thermal exhaust port. But if we get distracted here on looks and dimensions and terminologies and semantics and timings, the answer will be no. This has everything to do with what you talked about with Mattis to me and the the, the premise, the philosophy, because the moral debate you're talking about, without the correct premise of that morality, look what they did. They they were presented with two numbers, and one of them looked really big. It was 4,000, Steve. And the other one was kind of small. It was six. The more powerful number, yep. morally and philosophically, was obviously the six, but they went for the shiny object, and they got nailed instantly. Yes. It should be headline news all over America. You have a bully pulpit like the White House, the most powerful bully pulpit in this in this world. And you caught a half dozen terrorists in just the first half of the past year. Why wasn't that second coming type font 
everywhere. Why wasn't that every show on Fox? Why wasn't that every show on The Blaze? Why did we have to find out from Nicole Wallace at MSNBC, a, a, a hack, a hacktastic hater? We find out from her we caught a half dozen terrorists? Why, why didn't Trump give a presidential address about that? Do you know? See, when you get the answer to that, come back and talk to me about civil wars, winning existential conflicts. Because if you don't have the answers to those questions, you're really not serious about any of that stuff. Back here with Hour 2 of the Steve Day Show on The Blaze TV and radio, live and on demand. You can also listen each day via podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify. And if you are a podcast listener, first of all, thank you. Secondly, if you have time and have not already done so, could you leave us a five-star review today if you really like our show? If you don't, don't lie. But if you really like our show, the more of those five-star reviews we get, the more people like you we tend to find. And for those of you that already left us one of those five-star reviews, Thank you very much. We appreciate you tuning in here uh, each day to the Steve Dace Show. 888-900-3393 is the number. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And for the first time, now is the time on sprockets when we dance. For the first time in 2019, this will be Aaron's humble brag, not so cleverly disguised as a commercial. Thank you for that rousing introduction, Steve. I really couldn't do this without you. No. It is the year of no BS. <laughs> it is. Uh, no, I, I, went, uh, I went out hunting with my Uncle Steve um, on Sunday afternoon, and I, I passed up the first shot that I had at a deer, and it ended up being my best shot. And I, I think I need to get better at, uh, at uh, shooting long rifles, although this one was 200 yards away. Um, but, of course, in the new year... We're full of resolutions. Mine, uh, in particular, if y'all remember, is uh, making it through movies without falling asleep. If last <laughs> night was a movie, they called it in the national championship game. I didn't really fall asleep during it, but I did go to bed like right before the third quarter started, so it doesn't count. But full of resolutions, get in shape, eat healthy, find a new job. All these things can improve your life. But one thing can actually save it. Resolve this year to improve your firearm training with iTarget Pro. iTarget Pro uses um, your smartphone. Their proprietary app tracks your caliber-specific laser, which fits inside your firearm and detects exactly where your shots are landing. iTarget Pro is completely safe, comes with your caliber-specific laser target system and instructions so you can begin training immediately. So take your Christmas cash and go to the letter itargetpro.com, check out the video, choose your caliber, and download the app so you're ready when the system arrives. This month, get 10% off plus free shipping with the offer code STEVE when you purchase the iTarget Pro system. Save money, save time, take your skill to the next level safely and effectively. That's the letter itargetpro.com, offer code STEVE, itargetpro.com. And I especially love the suggestion to take your Christmas money and go and get this. I heard from a few people over the Christmas break saying, boy, I'm glad you suggested this. This was the hit of our Christmas in our household. I did too. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you um, if you didn't get one and you're disappointed, but you got a little extra cash on hand from the Christmas holiday, go, uh, go, go to iTarget Pro. It is a really, really cool, trust me, it is a very, very 
cool system, and it is a great, great way to take your training to the next level without spending a ton of cash on firing ranges. Yeah, I I got some uh, feedback on it, and also had some people uh, looking for a last-minute Christmas gift idea that specifically asked me about iTarget Pro, so well done, Aaron. All right, let's get to it. It's, It's the return of our weekly segment for the first time in 2019, known as Fake News or Not. This is a president who needs to ask the Amer- ask for the American people's attention mm. and say, "Okay, this is what I'm talking about." Um, Nancy Pelosi, in that uh, clip you played, was praising him in her own way. She obviously respects him in this in the same way that he respects her as a tactician. Right? That what Trump is doing here, the shutdown is good for Trump. It works for Trump. Uh, it keeps his base engaged because the topic is the topic of his base. Uh, it keeps uh, the news off of other things that are worse for him, right? Uh, it, when, when this is the story, Mueller is not the story. When this mm-hmm. is the story, economic chaos is not the story. It is, it, is a, it is an area that he can live with, and it's the kind of chaos that he likes because he's in control of part of it. So that's Chris Steyerwall from Fox News. You've heard me say before, one of my favorite uh, political analysts. And and it, I don't rank people that I like based off of how often we agree. Uh, as much as I do, do I trust that they're critically thinking through what they say, whether I agree or not. So that's Chris Steyerwall saying, even if it's just subconsciously, this is a benefit to the president. It keeps him on a message. His base would prefer he's talking about rather than witch hunt, uh, sad. Uh, and, and that's, and that this, whether he consciously wants this to happen or subconsciously, the fact that it's happening at all is a win for Trump and it keeps him on a winning message for him and his base. Fake news or not, Todd? Oh, I don't, I don't think it's fake news. I think that's sound analysis, but when you're in analyzing Trump, that that's, that's closer to, a. Uh, I mean, a, a best guess. I mean, there's a there's a spread on these things, Steve. Uh, <laughs> and, and you, I mean, this is where you've been, succeeded a lot in your sports forecasting. But it, it's just like this. I'd go with that probably as strongly as any other possibility. But I, you know, I wouldn't take it to the bank either. And I don't, you know, I think he's he's like the rest of us. We're we're, we're guessing when it comes to the mood of Trump and whether he gets. Is it inside Trump at all, what he just said? Or is he doing this for entirely different reasons and they just happen to be tracking right now? That's the world we live in. Yes. And is the answer, and and no, all at the same time. Yeah, I agree. And no. Aaron, fake news or not? I think the second part of um, that analysis, because it's something he can control, is, is correct. I think the first part, though, is missing the notion that Trump is a narcissist. So anytime his name is in the news, positive or negatively. I think at the base nature of who Trump is, he likes that, even though he reacts to it very strongly. And I do believe that he thinks he's treated unfairly and, you know, who can blame him? But I think anytime his name is Trump, 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 anytime anybody, everybody is talking about him, I think that's a time that Trump actually, actually likes. No doubt. Donald Trump lives in a world where the only bad news is the obituaries. I agree with that. Next clip. How do you respond to to Democrats and where they are at this point? We're looking at day 17 of the shutdown. I would say, Nancy Pelosi, you need to love your country a little more than you hate this president. I mean, you got to your number one responsibility is protect the Americans and secure our border. We have already shown 
how a wall, can, a wall, a barrier can be effective. So put politics aside. Look, this is all politics. They don't want this president to have a win on the border. But what they don't understand is the president wins on this border issue, America wins. America is more secure. Less drugs get across. Less guns get across. Less illegal immigration. And despite what I've seen this weekend on, on media, terrorists do come across that southern border. I detained them as an ICE director. It has happened. And, and, and many more come. We have, we have a relationship with the Panamanian government. We stopped literally hundreds of special interest aliens, some with known suspected ties to terrorism in Panama, that were attempting to get to Mexico to our southern border. It has happened. My biggest concern is it ain't so much how many terrorists have been arrested entering the country legally, how many, did, how many got through. It's the former director of ICE, fake news or not. Oh, not. Uh, that strikes me. Uh, as a grown-up in the room, I have no idea what his uh, particular politics are. Perhaps I, I can guess, um, but that's that's the kind of uh, argument uh, you put forward if you want to at least force the talking points on the other side uh, to actually um, be honest for at least a second. So I saw a grown man there who, like uh, his own argument against Nancy Pelosi, I think desperately loves his country and is tired of uh, the work that he's done done and lived his life for, go for naught. Aaron, fake news or not? That is not fake news. That's the exact right question, and that's the exact right messaging that should have been out over the weekend and yesterday as well that was not from the White House. Hopefully we'll hear more of that tonight. Agree. That's the best messaging on this issue we've seen since this confrontation, this alleged shutdown that really isn't, uh, since this began, that's the best messaging. And uh, it, the sincerity, the heartfeltness of it, the the personal testimony of his own experience, I mean, that, that there, that's almost uh, an insaliable argument. I mean, I, that's, that is exceedingly well done. And that is something that the White House should be putting out there and, he, and him as a proxy, as an ambassador for, uh, for that message as often as possible. I, I also think it would, the problem, this is where what would benefit the Democrats politically. It runs counter to the, the, the core fundamental drive, ideological drive of their party. So the, the core fundamental ideological drive of their party is, is identity politics. So they're, they're not capable of, to use a term that Todd uh, dropped earlier this hour, they're not capable of the level of real politique I'm about to suggest. But the odds the Democrats will defeat Donald Trump in 2020 would increase. How much? I don't know. Substantially? Maybe. Negligibly? Perhaps. But they would, they would increase. If they gave him his wall. Tell me what he talks about. Tell me what his flashpoint is if that's off the table. Bingo. What the, see, what the, what the Democrats want is for Americans to go into the voting booth. They know they're going to get all of the Trump is racist, Hitler, fascist votes. They know that. They need you to go into the voting booth thinking, I just can't put up with this guy anymore. Trump needs you to go into the voting booth. Trump knows he's going to get all the cheat of his votes, GOP's God's own party, and uh, you have to vote Republican to save America. He, he, ha- he knows he's going to get all those votes. The votes that are going to decide this thing, he needs those voters to go into the polls in November of 2020 thinking, I, I have to put up with Trump because the alternative just is the end of, you know, any semblance of my way of life. 
This is Trump's number one flashpoint issue. It's the issue that launched his candidacy, illegal immigration. Took him from novelty candidate to a force of nature. If the Democrats just gave him his wall, they could instantly pivot to the topic that is the most winning topic of them all. Go to the clip we just played of Steyerwald. What is Trump not talking about because he's talking about this? Witch hunt, sad, himself. The stuff that the people who are going to vote for him, even if he did kill somebody out there on Fifth Avenue, just either eat up or don't care about. But the voters that are going to decide this thing, they hate that stuff. They hate it. I'm telling you, I live in the suburbs with these people. They hate it. Even the people in our churches hate it. Let alone the ones that don't go. Hate it. Can't stand it. You want to drive out millennial voters, make that the message. Who knows constituency hates it more than the millennial voters? They can't stand it. If I were running the Democratic Party, I'm like, how do we get him back doing that stat? Take the issue off the table. Not to mention, how many union jobs do you think that's going to be? Building <laughs> hundreds of miles of wall along the southern border? How yeah, many but- union construction jobs do you think that's going to be? You're you're begging the big four hundred pound yes. gorilla in the room question. What happens to the voter drive then? Yeah, that's but see, they, that's why they can't do it. Idea the voter drive is there is is based off of victimology and identity politics. So this is what I'm suggesting. The Democratic Party would have done this as recently as like 1985. They would have cut a deal like this. Well, I, I take that back. Bill Clinton would cut the kind of deal like this. Yeah, I think so. And then he'd like, you know, expand abortion funding and go back and convince his base this was a win. But other than Bill Clinton, no Democrat in the last 30 years well, could, would, could, could, could pull this off even if they did think this way because the evolution of their party from a liberal to a leftist one simply won't permit them much wiggle room to cross, to transcend the victimology of identity politics. Oh, yeah, that dude in office was the essence of realpolitik. And quite frankly, if he'd not, the, the one biggest mistake along those lines is giving Hillary, uh, putting her in charge out of the gate of, uh, of health care. Yeah, what, yeah, what Bill Clinton would have done is, is, is given the Republicans their damn wall, made sure all those jobs went to union guys, and then still called Newt Gingrich and Bob Dole racist, misogynist, yeah. homophobes tomorrow anyway. That's what Bill Clinton would have done. That's why he couldn't beat that guy, right? That's why I said... And you know what? We're going to get to what I said later in this segment. There's, as you said yesterday, there's a symmetry to these clips and why they were chosen. All right? Here's the next one. Oh, listen, let me, let me just say this about Ocasio-Cortez. She just got in on Thursday. She was sworn in. Yes. Yeah. And she's very opinionated, which we like. We like opinionated yeah. women. But it is very, very difficult when people make accusations where you, you say, you know, the Democrats have, have done nothing. The, they, the establishment of the Democrats have done nothing. And I just want to throw this out to you. Um, John Lewis. Oh, yeah. Wasn't sitting still. Right. Um, Dianne Feinstein wasn't sitting still. Mm-hmm. There are a whole bunch of people in the Democratic Party who have been busting their asses to make sure that women get what they need, people get what they need, children get what they need. So you just got in there, and I know you got lots of good ideas, but I would encourage you to sit still for a minute and learn a job. (laughs) And, you 
know, and just, you know, because there are people in that party who have been working their tails off for and they this know, country. They know a lot. And they know a They've lot. And you, could, and you could learn some stuff from them. That's not what any of that means. Remember Kevin Nealon's subliminal man on Saturday Night Live I've seen back it in the live. day? Hilarious. <laughs> it's one of my, it's one of the all time greats. So allow me to translate. Um, you're being too honest. Uh, you're giving people the full Monty. You're you're just you're giving people too much truth of who we really are and what we really want to do and where we want to take the country. It's too much morphine. Yes. Yeah, the, and, and you're not a sophisticated enough proxy for that message. So your youthful idealism is, I think a 70% in tax rate would be great. I think a, a, a green energy new deal would be phenomenal. No, we don't talk about ta- 70% marginal tax rates. We talk about investment. You don't know the code words of the Diane Feinsteins of the world. You don't know that after John Lewis got done winning the civil rights battle, he just went for the next 30 years of his public life and just made all the same arguments he was making in Alabama in 1964, like nothing had changed. Why? Because dealing the race card from the bottom of the deck works, sister. What Whoopi is essentially saying there is you're trying to have as clumsily as you're capable at this young age, but you're attempting, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you're attempting to have an honest ideological you're trying to openly sell sweden to america no sister that dog don't hunt learn to lie no not 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 the way that you're doing it now where it's an earnest lie like your facts aren't right but your motivations from your worldview are pure like you're trying to evangelize something you firmly believe no no i mean i mean really like willfully lie like absolute, like deception from the outset. Like when your kid comes home and they and he fell off his bike, and he's like, "Oh man, and I I can't walk. My knee hurts. My leg hurts." And he's crying and he's bawling. And you look at his knee and there's a bad scratch, but and he's acting like his leg is broke. He's not telling you the truth. That's not true. That's a lie. But it's from a place of he's sincerely trying to express an emotion. That's where Alexandria Cortez is coming from. She's sincerely trying to express her emotions. She's just factually inaccurate when she does it a lot. That's not the kind of lying that Whoopi Goldberg is calling for. (laughs) What Whoopi Goldberg is calling for is, you sure you don't want the undercoating? This undercoating is the best undercoating. You've never had undercoating like this before. Oh, and if you don't buy the undercoating, I just want you to know you're a racist. You're a racist if you buy the undercoating. You're a racist if you don't buy the undercoating. You're just a racist. What Whoopi Goldberg is warning her of is while we control, people like us control the major idea sectors of the country. We don't control the majority of the landmass of this country. And we can't win a straight-on argument and fight. Not yet, anyway. Give it a few years, sister, and we can't. Give it a few years, and it's red unitard and pitchfork time. We won't have to lie to anybody. We'll be like, we'll be like Will Ferrell and Elf. I'm in love, and I don't even care who knows it. But right now, we need to sit on a throne of lies. 
We can't quite sell this up front. We got to package it better, sister. You're not packaging it at all. I'm the one selling the morphine. You're giving, you're out there selling pure grade cocaine. This isn't, you know, like those Hollywood parties where, you know, we can afford that stuff. The, 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 the plebeians out there, they need a chaser with their shots. You got to take them to dinner first. You can't just take them right to the faculty meeting at Columbia. <laughs> you can't do that. Come on now. Got to butter them up with some victimology. You got to butter them up with some fake stats, some fake news, some emotionalism. Find the worst examples of Trump being Trump. Put that on loop so they forget, you know, the economy grew 5% last year. That's what you got to do. You're out here knocking on, you're out here knocking on doors, man. Doing, you're doing, you're doing street evangelism. No, we don't, no, we don't do that. Um, but we lie and you're not lying enough. Well, at least not the way we're lying. You're not trying intentionally to be deceptive. You're getting caught with your knickers down in your idealism. We need a little more Lord Nefarious here. That's I'm not going to ask you if that clip is fake news or not. I just gave you the answer. That's what that clip is about. Okay? Know your place, sister. That's what that was. Final fake news. Any thoughts on that before we move on to the next, the last? Oh, I think you're dead on. I would just add one more thing. Uh, There is also just a smidgen at the very least of resentment of the young gal who's taken their thunder. Hey, I'm Whoopi Goldberg. I stand a post here for decades doing this. And it, Sure. The sense that it moving on. And that, that's, that's, you know, you've heard me say for years is the real reason people do things and then the right, there's the, there's the right reason she's doing it is what you said. That's what she would be. If we had her here and gave her and, and, and without the sodium pentothal, she would be adamant. That's why she's doing this. But once we put the sodium pentothal, the real reason would come out and it, it's, it, it's, it's what I just Because, you know, instantly everybody, including Republicans, went to defend the dancing video. But a gal like Whoopi's sucking in like, dear God, who who cares what this chick is doing? I mean, they're starting to resent it. Yeah. And I, 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 do, I will just say that it's I love that uh, Whoopi Goldberg, of all people, on The View of all shows, uh, starts that clip by saying, uh, yeah, she has opinions. She has strong opinions. And lo- we love women with opinions. And then ends the clip basically saying, sit down and shut up. Yes. Know your role. Sit in the, get in the back of the bus there. Yeah. Four legs good, two legs bad. But eventually, four legs are good and two legs are even better. So yesterday, final fake news or not, is I got a call yesterday. You guys know my rule with reporters. I have the Johnny Dangerously rule. No matter who you are or where you're from or what your politics are, if you, if you quote me accurately and in context, I'm happy to talk to you. But what's the Johnny Dangerously rule? If you screw me over once, once. Including his mom and his grandma. Yeah, and yeah, and there's no... Fargan bastard. That's right. We're, we're, we're done here. We're out. Okay? So while I have a very low regard for the Hill as a journalistic enterprise in general, uh, and it makes laughable, laugh, laughable mistakes on an all-too-frequent basis, uh, there's one reporter there who calls me named Niall Stanich. And the original reason I answered his call is I thought, holy crap, that's a cool name, right? It's like Niall Stanich. Does he have an English accent too? Yes. Oh, well, there we go. Nice. Yeah. If, if your parents named you Niall Stanich, 
and you're not like you better be English. <laughs> And you're not like this, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company or ambassador to some monarchy somewhere. You've just made terrible life choices. So I wanted to know, what's a Niall Standage like who's a reporter? You want him to coach Michigan, don't you? That's the guy you want to follow into a burning building. <laughs> and uh, and I like the guy. I have no idea. I mean, I probably could guess just because of what the overwhelming odds are given what populates America's newsrooms. But I, I have no need to ask him what his politics are because in so far— and he's and he's quote call he's quoted me several times the last few years. Insofar he has quoted me accurately, which is why when he calls me, I answer. And yesterday we got to talking about um Trump and the uh uh and and the shutdown battle from a conservative perspective. And and he asked me several questions, and I'm not sure which quote he will use. But one of the things I said to him, I want to bring up in the in the context of this conversation, and have you guys tell me if you think I'm fake news or not. One of the things I said to Niall Stanage is I believe this is not a bell curve exercise for Trump. I don't believe this is a gradable exercise. I don't think it's a B, B minus outcome, C plus. I think it's pass fail. Yep. And and I think because again, let's not conflate Trump's base, the hardcore cultic, that's my guy, that's my quarterback base, with Trump's potential vote. Let's not conflate those two things. They get conflated too often. All right. I, I, I mean, Trump. Trump's national address tonight could be this, guys, making fart noises with his armpits, man. And someone at Gateway Pundit's going to say those are the greatest fart noises with an armpit we've ever seen. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm not talking about Trump Inc. I'm a political nobody without Trump, and I'll be a political nobody when he's gone. And the only way I can be a political somebody is while he's here. All right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, uh, you know, who are 90% of the 65 million people that voted for Trump in 2016. And he's that number to be higher in 2020. We've only had one president in American history, incumbent president, win re-election by getting fewer votes than they got the last time. And it just so happened to be the last president, Obama. Never had happened before. Okay, so traditionally presidents win re-election 70% of the time, and 99% of those cases, they did it by expanding the base that they originally won the office with. So I'm talking about those people. And I said to Niall, for those people, I believe it's a pass-fail exercise. That um, there's he can't come back with some token gesture. He can't come back with some symbolic promise that we will, we have the money now, but the building starts in uh, 2079, you know, right after we get done colonizing Mars. No. No, it's, it's, he, he, this needs to be a clear win. And, and, and the reason I said this to Niall is I know people in Washington read The Hill. And I want to try and get this message to the White House. This must be a win. It doesn't mean there can't be any compromise. That's not what I'm saying. But folks need to see a shovel in the ground very shortly after this ends, whenever it ends, next week, next month, six months from now, 10 years from now, after Trump's gone. Whenever it ends, while Trump is in office, there needs to be a really short amount of time between when it ends during the Trump presidency and when we watch a shovel go in the ground on the Rio Grande. And anything less will be looked at as a failure. He would have been punked. 
And he will see that he will. This is his no new taxes, read my lips moment. He will not recover politically from losing this fight. It's the it's the defining pledge of his candidacy. Agreed. Just as no new taxes was. He will not recover from losing this fight. It's pass or fail for Trump. It's not does he get a B minus, C plus, A minus. It's it's get busy living or get busy dying. Fake news or not, Todd. Oh, I I kind of hit the news this morning thinking something uh, very much along those lines. This is the most important. It's absolutely the most important day of Trump's presidency uh, so far. And barring unforeseen circumstances of the type that Steve always talks about that often define a presidency, and we know exactly what those look like, and often they're terrible, um, it, it, it is likely as anything else to, to hold that status for the next two years. It's that big of a day. Aaron? I agree unequivocally with basically basically all of that. And I, I think that's that's true news. That is not fake news, all of that. This is definitely um, a pass-fail exercise because you think back to the thing, the issue that launched Trump in the first place. It is this issue. And now that we've shut the government down for a number of days, almost three weeks now, now that we've gone through this entire rigmarole of I'm going to um, keep the government shut down, uh, I'm not going to reopen the government without the wall, I am, and then getting pressure and saying, okay, I'm going to you know, stay steady here. We've gone through all of this. This is the battle. Uh, if he does not come out of this with a real wall that actually spans the distance, the border of, uh, of the United States with Mexico... It will be a failure. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. I agree with you about that as well. And I also agree there's another reason why a shovel needs to be in the ground ASAP is because if a wall works the way that he and some of the experts uh, from ICE that we heard about earlier say that it will, very, very quickly, we're going to have statistics that prove that it is working, mm-hmm. and that's why he needs it to work as and, well. And the inverse of that is true, too. If it works the way they say it does and they don't put a shovel into the ground, then they've compromised with the Democrats on risking our national security, right? Yes. Yeah. So don't throw that stuff out there and then not deliver. It's the wedding night. Time to consummate. All right, let's switch gears. It's Pop Culture Tuesday here on the Steve Day Show, live and on demand on The Blaze. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. Gentlemen, I have now my final list of my uh, top 10 favorite movies, best movies. It's, it's kind of like a Heisman Trophy vote. What's most outstanding player mean? Does it mean the best player overall, the best guy with the best stats, the MVP? Yes. All right. So some of these teams are here or some of these movies are here because I thought they were really well made. Some of them are here because I really liked them a lot. Some of them are here, like the first movie we'll talk about, just because I, th- I love the I love when people try to do something different. A few years ago, there was a romantic comedy called 50 Days of Summer about a guy living out his 50 days dating this woman yeah. named Summer. Yeah. And it's an OK movie. But but the premise of how they tried to pull off the rom-com formula, I found it so original. I put it in my top 10 at the end of the year just because I liked trying to do something new, okay? So we're going to count these movies down from 10 to 1, and then we're going to talk in between each film about the worldview that's uh, at the center of all of these films. You guys ready to go? Yeah. 
<clears throat> and then at the end, if there's a movie on here or two or three that you think, how is this not on your list, Dace? We got to hear it. All right. Overall, though, as a year for movies on a scale of one to 10, 10 being best, what do you give this number this this year? Six. Six. Yeah. I mean, six and a half. Kind of weak, right? Yeah. Um, I think the top is really good. And then I think it kind of diminishes from there. All right. So number 10, I have the movie that should be the the Netflix pop culture phenomenon, Bandersnatch. Right now it's Bird Box, which I have seen. Basically, Bird Box is a quiet place, except they're blind now. Bird, uh, Bird Box is every young man's uh, existence who's trying to stay pure in this culture. Basically. In a way, yeah. yeah. And, and and you can make a lot of moral uh, value judgments about what you think Bird Box is symbolically really about. But really, it's a lesser version of A Quiet Place, which we'll talk about later, except they're blind now. Is it good? Yeah, it's mm. good. I don't think it's as great as everybody says it is. Now, this movie, Bandersnatch, to me, ought to be the one more people are talking about because it is the first truly choose-your-own-adventure movie. You decide, I mean, there's there's literally a trillion different decision combinations, five different endings you get to. You decide what cereal eats. You decide major plot points. You decide minor plot points. Right? It is literally a choose-your-own-adventure book on the movie screen, which is why it only works with certain uh, platforms. If you have like Am- your Netflix on Amazon Fire or Chromecast, you can't do it uh, because they don't have the functional capability to facilitate the choices. If you have your Netflix, like I have it on my PlayStation 4 in the basement, so obviously I've got a, an interface that already responds to choices like a video game system, I can play it out, okay? Uh, the wife and I have gone through this several different times. Uh, and it's fascinating. Now, the plot of the film is that this movie takes place in the mid-80s in, in the UK, and uh, the young man in the photo there over my, over my shoulder is, a, is an aspiring video game designer. And there's a Lord of the Rings kind of fantasy series called Bandersnatch. But the guy that wrote it went crazy and killed his wife because he, he got so involved in the fantasy and he couldn't decide what was fantasy or reality. And so this young man is making a video game based off of this series of fantasy books, All right? Um, there is uh, some foul language to be, from a worldview perspective, prevalent throughout. It, most of the worldview of the film uh, debates free will and predetermination. So there's some fascinating aspects of this. And I just love that they tried to do it. And I wanted to recognize them for trying to do something different. And so that's why this is my number 10 movie of the year. I think this is fascinating because you watch a lot of things by fast forwarding through stuff you don't care about. And here you actually went the exact opposite direction and are involved in like every single bit of minutia. That's a great point. The fact that it kept me, kept my attention. I, I thought I've got to re- give him credit for doing that as well. Have you watched this yet, Aaron? No, I've watched Bird Box, but I do intend to watch that probably this weekend. All right. Number nine on my list, just I think when the Golden Globe I saw on Twitter for Best Picture, didn't it? Uh, I have Bohemian Rhapsody. And as we talked about, we, you know, we, we talked a lot about this film on Pop Culture Tuesday uh, during the fall after it came out when I went and saw it. And I was originally not going to see the movie. I was a huge Queen fan as a kid. I had no idea. I didn't, I didn't know about groupies or sexuality. When I, when I got my Flash Gordon soundtrack album 
in the second grade at Miss Cardamon's class at Howe Elementary in Des Moines, Iowa. I we didn't we didn't pollute. Every kid didn't have to know what this stuff meant in 1981. I didn't know. I just thought Flash Ah was a really cool song. And I thought another one bites the dust was a really cool song. Uh, and I thought uh, we are the champions. We used to sing that in Little League at South Des Moines Little League when we won the game. I didn't know about any of this stuff. So I loved Queen as a kid. Only later on, when you've learned more, and of course, Freddie Mercury contracted age, and you learned a lot more about it then. Um, and I wasn't going to see this movie originally because I thought for sure it would be pure, unadulterated propaganda. In fact, I just found out yesterday that it was directed by um, oh, the guy who's being accused of uh, uh, molesting underage boys, Brian Singer, the director. I didn't know he directed the movie when I went and saw it. I found this out yesterday because there's a controversy now about this film winning the award given the allegations against Singer. I, I, I decided to watch the movie after I read a piece in The Federalist about it that talked about how it honestly dealt with the sexual and moral decisions that Mercury made and the consequences of those decisions. And that's what the band wanted. They wanted something real, the surviving members. So I thought, well, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated if, if, if the secular world wants to have an honest, common sense conversation about consequences of life choices. And this movie does it. It doesn't pull any punches either. And it talks about the fact that uh, uh, Mercury's great regret in his life was leaving his wife for homosexuality. He left his fortune for, to her. I was stunned at how honest this movie was. I, I was like, if, we, if, if, if Christian filmmakers tried to make this movie the same movie and, and had no Bible verses, but just tried to present an honest view of, of what happens with with, when sexual sin overwhelms us and we change the way we live our lives in order to succumb to it, we'd never get it made. In fact, you couldn't even get Christian investors to get this film made because they would say no one will come and see it. Yeah. This film, you've seen it, right, Aaron? No, I have not. Okay, this film does this. And Remy Malik as, as Freddie Mercury is incredible. So it is, it's, it's number nine on my list. Number eight on my list for my top 10 films of 2018. I always try to get at least one faith-based movie on the list. Uh, I won't, if, if there aren't any good ones though, I, I won't give the uh, family discount. All right. It's gotta be a good movie. I can only imagine is a very, very good movie, very powerful movie. And it, it, it does something that Christian films have traditionally struggled with, which is to show the ominous impact of sin in order to make that emotional connection without glorifying it in the process. Too often Christian films won't even go there because they're concerned about basically making Darth Vader look cool. And so they just kind of make sin almost look like, why would anybody be tempted by this? Why would anybody be intimidated by this? Why would anybody be afraid of this? It looks antiseptic, homogenized. This film doesn't do that. Dennis Quaid gives a pretty raw portrayal as the lead singer of Mercy Me's uh, abusive father. And it's exceedingly well done. And even though you know how it ends, um, you know, kind of like, you know, how, you know how Titanic ended, but the path they took you to get there still moved you at the end anyway. You know, the movie's going to end with the stirring debut of, of maybe the best-selling song in the history of Christian music. Uh, but still, when it happens, it still makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up anyway. Highly recommend. Number seven on my list, Sicario. Day of the Soldado, and this is my unpopular take of the day. I think this is better than the first movie, and I say that even though you know I'm a bit of a fan of Emily Blunt, and she is not in the sequel. But what I love about this movie is it takes it takes the the incident that the first movie is about, 
and it extrapolates it now into the geopolitical scene. The clip we played on fake news or not of the ICE director talking about what's coming from uh, Panama and the yeah. cartels, that's exactly what this movie is about. That is the exact plot line of this movie. All right, and the U.S. government unwilling to do what it takes to shut it down because they're afraid of media backlash. I'm not making any of this up. Again, this is another movie that if like if like Bruce Willis, like known and Kelsey Grammer, and got together, it, the only conservative in Hollywood that could have gotten this movie made, honestly, is Clint Eastwood because of his built-in cachet. But the fact that a bunch of Hollywood liberals made this movie, it literally is like right out of our blog, the conservative blogosphere. But it's also great. The performances in this movie are great. I, I highly recommend it. Not enough people saw this when it was out earlier this summer. Number six on my list is The Incredibles 2. Uh, it's not as good as the first, which I think could very well be the best modern animated film. It's certainly in, in my top three. Uh, but it's still really well done. And this is another film that, like its original, which is 15 years old now, if you can believe it. Like it's original, it's overtly conservative. I mean, it's not, there's not like, is it? No. All right. This is, this just hits you in the face with it. Guys, the, the villain of the film is a radical feminist man hater who resents the fact that her benevolent, capitalistic, successful brother is attempting to bring uh, altruistic hope through superheroes back in to culture. Okay. You've seen it. It, it. Is that not who the villain of the film is? And at one point, the Irma Bombeck mother character and the feminine and the, and the proto feminist egalitarian feminist villainous have an exchange where basically the Irma Bombeck mother character says, you know, as a woman, I have a lot of your same complaints. But your solution, basically, was for me to abandon all of the things I love and cherish in order to address them. And I don't see that as much of a solution. That's the exchange they basically have in midair, is it not? There's a couple money lines at the end of that movie that I I really jaw-dropped, could not believe, even after they did it once 15 years ago. That they unabashedly went Yes. There. So Brad Bird, who made the two in, uh, uh, movies, uh, the Incredibles movies, if this whole movie thing flames out for you, we got a job for you here at The Blaze writing for us, brother. All right? the, the Incredibles and The Incredibles 2 are two of the best conservative blogs I've ever read. Okay. Uh, number five is a movie almost nobody saw, and it's a shame. Operation Finale, about the sting operation that the Israeli Mossad pulled off uh, in order to uh, capture uh, Adolf Eichmann, uh, the brains, if you will, uh, behind the final solution. This is sort of a labor of love for Oscar Isaac, the actor who's kind of become a, a big star and who's Jewish. She basically produced and bankrolled and made this movie uh, happen. And I'm I'm having a brain fart. Uh, ben, help me out. The uh, Ben Kingsley, Ben Kingsley is Eichmann, and it's almost like it's just Ben Kingsley. So you know he's going to be really good. Ben Kingsley is a bumper on a car. Yeah, it's man. like it's like Aston answered your honor, but you really believe. For those of us that weren't alive at this time or in this era, you really believe this. This is really like having a conversation with Adolf Eichmann in real time. Not enough people saw this movie. It's on demand right now. I would I would highly recommend it's number five on my list. Number four on my list is Hereditary. There are two horror films 
on my list this year. This is really more of your traditional horror film. And uh, we we talked a lot early last year when these two movies were out together. Together, The juxtaposition, this is the first one. Both of these and A Quiet Place are both about what happens to a family when it's confronted with real manifestations of evil. In the case of A Quiet Place, we'll talk about it in a minute, it's extraterrestrial. In the case of Hereditary, it is spiritual. And at the end of the movie, the spiritual entity announces its intentions by saying, we reject the Trinity. Those are its exact words. That's one of the final lines of dialogue in this movie. It also has a death early in the film that you'll never see coming that my wife and I looked at each other and had to pick each other's jaws up off of the theater floor when it occurred. It was so shocking because it it's just way out of left field, all right? But this is if a quiet place is about how the strength of a family united with a moral purpose can repel evil. Hereditary is about what happens when that family is disjointed, not united, and doesn't have a singular moral purpose, and it comes up against external manifestations of evil. It succumbs to it and is overwhelmed and toppled by it. And it's also extremely creepy and well-made. The camera angles, if you have a surround sound, there'll be be idle sounds in the film. You'll turn around like, is that in the movie or is somebody behind me? The whole part of the, the whole experience of this film is is odd and it, it's it's wrong and it does and it, and it makes you uneasy uh, and um, I, it's exceedingly well made uh, and you have seen this one, Aaron? Yeah, I had to tap out. I tried to watch it twice. I had to tap out. I didn't fall asleep. I had to tap out after the death that you the aforementioned death one night, and then I took I. I gave it another shot the next night. The creep factor was too high. I was just, I needed to take a breath or maybe take a few drinks or something. This is a movie Lord Nefarious would have made. Oh, yeah. Uh, Number three on my list is the number one animated film of this year and, and one of the most visually stunning films I've ever seen. You know, we heard, we used to hear about Tim Burton's original Batman movies. This is like a comic book come to life. This is a comic book in in real time. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. It's imagine groundbreaking trailblazing animation with the original Shrek level clever pacing and writing. And that's what Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse is. Absolute instant classic. I'm going to go back and see it in the theaters again here soon with my boy. And it's just, um, it's, I'm I'm struggling to the movie is like an hour and a half of what it must have been like in 1938 when when uh Dorothy opened the door for the first time and the screen goes from black and white to technicolor <laughs> that's what this movie is like for an hour and a half it's like that the entire time and it's fun and um it's just really well done and it's a classic instant classic in my view that's why it's number 3 on my list number 2 is the aforementioned A Quiet Place. It is the yin to Heredity's yang. I don't think that was intentional. It just worked out that way. And in this case now, a family strongly united by singular moral purpose that is able to do what the family and hereditary cannot do. It's also a very clever premise. A movie where almost no one talks uh, or barely speaks the entire time because the sound waves are what draws the extraterrestrial uh, entity and force. Uh, and the acting, you, you, obviously there's chemistry between the actor and the actress that play mom and dad because they're a real life mom and dad. And it plays out on screen. Um, it's 
the second best movie that I saw this year. It's phenomenal. It deserves all the credit it got this past year. Which brings me to number one. In, in my view, Avengers Infinity War is a great movie. I've watched it four times and I still think it's great every time. But I give it extra credit and here's why. I don't know of a movie in my lifetime, including any, real, any release of an upcoming Star Wars film, that had both as, the, the expectations as high as this one did, but the, the difficulty of the pull-off. Because culminating a universe of, what, 14 films or whatever it is, and all of these major wow. characters, and then putting them all together and not making it look like that's contrived. You just did that so, that so such and such could have their scene. Why is that in there? Why are we bought? Like, there's no casino scene that just wastes 15 <laughs> minutes of time like in, in The Last Jedi, where my, every time we watch The Last Jedi, my son is like, you know, if you take that casino scene out, this might be the best Star Wars movie I've ever seen. There's none of that. There's no fat, no wasted ammo. The pacing, editing, the writing of this film, uh, this is one of the toughest pull-offs in cinematic history, and they they met and arguably exceeded expectations, and that's why it's number one on my list. So, gentlemen, I now turn the floor over in the final two minutes. You guys are welcome to agree, disagree, subtract, add, as you see fit. I think the number one movie, I, I don't think there was any other choice than this. Just the way, one, the, the, the craft, on, on the one hand, of the way that they pulled this off, but before that, they can actually utilize your God-given abilities and their craft and the pet editing and pacing, all of that stuff. The story is amazing as well. And it deals with themes as it seems like increasingly Avengers and some of these superhero movies do. It deals with one of the foremost, if not the foremost, theme that we fight against every day yes. of progressivism in Malthusian ethics. And it Thanos does it. is essentially Margaret Sanger. Exactly. Yeah. There are several movies on here that I probably wouldn't have seen, but because of the way you say they touch on cultural uh, um, flashpoints, uh, I'm going to probably see them now because they relate to the way you described uh, a movie from a year ago. What happened to Monday? Yes, you, I saw you finally saw that. I finally Christmas saw break. it. It's you undersold it, man. It's it is, is Glenn Close great. not Margaret Sanger or it, am I lying? It's great, a fantastic film. Well, let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. That's going to wrap it up for a Tuesday here on The Blaze, on demand, and live. We are back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On The Blaze Radio Network.